Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. It's a really good day. It's a very good day. Did you know that? Come on, tell somebody, today's a really good day. Now, I don't, I, I don't want you to disregard the fact, I mean, I kind of do want you to disregard. Don't think about the fact that maybe it wasn't. But you're here. Some people didn't wake up this morning. But you did. Hmm? These days that we have been given are gifts from God. And what we do in this day is our gift back to Him. Right? So let's just remember the beauty, the beauty of the gift of life itself. And enjoy that. Come on, take a big breath. Take a big, deep breath in. Your heavenly Father says, you're welcome. Hmm? He breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And we've all been breathing that breath of life ever since. Glory to God. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm continually amazed at his goodness and the things that he does is it okay if I, if I just brag on God for a little bit tonight? Yeah. I'm just thinking I'm overwhelmed by his goodness today, particularly for a, for a couple of reasons. And I'll share, I'll share some of those things with you. But um, thinking about how much it is really in the heart of God to do things for you and I, to set us up for little surprises, to, to, to set us up for scenarios of favor. You know, he has all kinds of things set up for us. Um, Sometimes we don't see them, but, and then there are times when we feel like we don't deserve them because maybe of something we've done and all of a sudden we come into some favor from God and go, why did you do that? I mean, you heard me, you saw what I did in traffic when I saluted that other driver, but God is who he is. And his love is unconditional. And his favor, it can't be earned. It's just what he chooses to give us. And I think that if we were more aware of that and had an expectation of it, then we would experience it more in our lives. Um, I learned this a long time ago. I was sitting in a church service. You've heard me tell this story, but I want to just tell you maybe a few stories. I was sitting in a church service in West Texas in a Sunday evening service, and my pastor was preaching and as I was sitting there, I never, I didn't pray, I just thought. I just thought, I need a new electric guitar. Because I had just given away my last one. I just thought, I need an electric guitar. He finishes the message. A friend of mine comes up to me right after service and says, man, come back here with me. Takes me behind the stage to where we kept all of our guitar cases and all those kinds of things. And, and he's a bass player in our church who also happened to play guitar as well. And he picks up his electric guitar case and hands it to me. She's, he said, tonight during the service, the Lord told me to give this electric guitar to you. I went, you heard that? 45 minutes from that thought, it was in my hands. 45 minutes later. I learned something about God. Hmm. He knows us really well. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. 
Hebrews chapter, I think this is going to encourage you, help you feel really good tonight. You know, that's what the Word of God should do for us. It is here to build us, to encourage us. Yeah, to correct us, but all of that is for our good, never to bring us down, never to make us feel bad, but to enjoy the goodness of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. You know, you got to be pretty sharp, pretty precise to be able to divide soul from spirit. This is what the Word of God, the Word of God is able to pierce even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. What did this teach us about the Word of God? The Word of God is an answer. It is life. It is a power for the spirit, the soul, and the body. Did you get that? Joints and marrow. Those aren't soul and spirit. That's body. Joints and marrow. That is the very core of who you are, the very middle of the bone, the marrow, the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the mind. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say mind. It says thoughts and intents of the heart. Not thoughts and intents of the mind. Now, I want you to understand tonight. The word being, being from God is not discerning what's going on in your head, but what's going on in your heart. It's important that you understand this, you and I understand this tonight, because sometimes we have some not so good thoughts come through this head. And the tendency is to feel guilty and ashamed and feel like, oh, God must be really ticked off what just went through my head. That's not what he's looking at. Amen. Amen. He's looking at who you really are. Yeah. Amen. He understands how the thoughts work here. Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yeah. That means thoughts came to his mind. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Thoughts came to his mind because there's an enemy out there who is speaking lies and he's giving, he's offering other thoughts. Remember what he told Eve? Has God said, he gave her a different thought to think. Has God said, right? So he has a voice and so he's speaking. And so, I mean, you can have, I'm telling you what, I've had some of the worst kind of thoughts go through my mind right in the middle of my hands, raising me, praising Jesus. And don't look at me like you've never experienced that. Come on now. Or if you've never have, well, then maybe you should be up here teaching. But I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, the, the most inopportune times, right? Yeah. Amen. And then you feel, ugh. Well, what made you go, ugh? What was going on in here? Because that's not you. Hear me. This is not you. This is you. The fact that you'd even be bothered by by thoughts that are against God, tells you what you really think. And that's what God is really looking at. What's in the heart. Oh, this is good. This is really good preaching. I'm telling you, it's going to bless you tonight. It's going to help set you free so you don't get caught up in this up here. But you'll understand your father sees deeper than that. He knows who you really are. He sees the real you. This is the battleground, right? This is where our choices are made, but we are governed by this heart. Yeah. Amen. 
what's in your heart. Jesus said, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Hey, we're going to have doubts up here. Anybody live long enough to figure that out? Your mind's going to go crazy, especially when you're trying to walk by faith. Especially when God has spoken to you and you know he's spoken to you and you want to take that step, but everything in you is going, ah! Right? But you know you got to do it, so you move out, step out there, encourage, huh? And this mind starts working against you, giving you every reason why it can't happen, why it shouldn't happen, why you're not the person to do it. Right? But your heart's saying something different. He who is in you that is greater than he that's in the world is saying something different about you because he knows who you are. He knows you. And I like the way that God sets things out. I'll t- uh, um, go over to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 now. Hebrews chapter 11. And I, I'm just blessed tonight. I was just thinking about all the good things, a lot of good things, not all of them. I wouldn't have time to do, do that. But so many good things that I've experienced just by something that happened to me today, and I'll, I'm happy to share that with you. But um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith. Everybody say, now faith. All right, see, that's what faith is. Faith is now. Faith is not I once believed. Faith is not I will believe. Faith is now. Now faith. He's not saying now faith. He's saying now faith. Is the substance of things. Oh, now there's the future. The hope is in the future. Faith is now. All right, say that with me. Hope is future. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Think about it. It's a substance and it's an evidence. Woo! It is knowing that you know even when you don't know. Being fully convinced that God is able to perform that which he promised. And then the next verse says, for by it, by what? Faith. The elders obtained a good testimony. And then it goes through who these elders are. They're They're the patriarchs of our faith, especially starting with Abraham. By it, by faith, they obtained a good report. And we see that God... When men moved by faith, he was looking, where's faith come from? Where it, I mean, it comes, comes from hearing the word of God, but where is faith known? It's in the heart. For with the heart one believes, right? For with the heart one believes under righteousness. This is the, this is the central believing system, all right? So, so by it, by that change of heart, by that spark of faith that happened right here, even when Peter was explaining to the Jerusalem council about what happened at Cornelius' house, he said, God, that gave them the same gift of the Holy Spirit as he did to us in the beginning, purifying their hearts by faith because they never uttered a word, saying, Jesus, come into my heart, never even said a prayer. They just started speaking in tongues. They went from completely godless, pagan heathens to tongue-talking believers. How? Because God saw their hearts. And he purified their hearts because their hearts believed the gospel. When they heard those words, to him all the prophets witnessed that through his, through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. That's when it all happened. Faith came, came alive in their heart. So, so what, and that came by hearing what? The word, hearing the gospel. It says, by it, the elders obtained a good report. They obtained a good report. It's what God says over in Romans chapter 4 through the writing of Paul when he said, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. 
But when you read Genesis, you see wavering Abraham. Do we remember Ishmael? I'd say that's a little waver in the walk. We remember Abimelech? Oh, here, take Sarah. She's my sister. That's a little waver in the walk. Huh? But when you get over on this side, the testimony changes. The testimony changes when faith is in act. Abraham wavered not at the promises of God. Well, is God, I mean, did he just not see? Did he just not see? Did he forget about the wavering? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's looking at the heart. He's not judging him by those other things. He's seeing what's really in it. He's discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, in other words, God believes in you. He believes that you have good intentions. He believes that you have right thoughts here. Why? Because he knows what happened to you when you are in Christ. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. He knows that now you have his nature. So your heart is going to say and think the right things. Oh, this is good. You're going to have to guard that heart. Yeah. Yeah. But it's his. So, King David is another one. Wow. Over in, in, in Romans, it says uh, that, or, uh, uh, yeah, Romans says that God said of David that he is a man after my own heart, for he will do all that I say, all, all my will. That's what he said. He will do all my will. Really? Really? Was Uriah part of that deal? Was Bathsheba part of the, that will? I mean, he had a guy murdered because he slept with his wife and got her pregnant to cover it all up. And then the baby ends up dying. I don't think that was all God's will. Well, but he's looking at the thoughts. Wow. And intents of the heart. Mm. Be encouraged tonight is all I'm saying. Be encouraged tonight. Your heavenly Father thinks a lot more of you than you think of you. So if he doesn't judge you according to your thoughts, you need to stop judging yourself according to your thoughts. Come up out of that. Hey, you have the mind of Christ, the Bible says, but you got to put on the mind of Christ. You have it, but you got to be aware that you have it. And when you'll accept that, then you'll start thinking these right thoughts. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good. And Does this help you tonight? And when you see how God sees you and understand that he, he longs for you to experience his fullness, his blessings in your life. Tim and I and Matt Viscani, is Matt, I thought I saw Matt. Yeah, I remember back in 2011, we were digging in my front yard and that cold November day, it was, or was it December? It was somewhere around, it was cold. And my, my, we had a, I had a pipe bust in my front yard and, uh, and we were digging th- through that cold mud well, Tim was doing most of the work, and, and, and Matt, and I'm just standing there. You know, the, if you act like you don't know what to do, you'll have friends that'll step in and take care of it for you. So I'm like, man, I'm sure glad somebody knows what they're doing. I don't even know how to move mud. So anyway, we're, we're getting that. We finally get, and we find the leak, get around. So we're having to dig all around the pipe because 
Tim says we're going to have to replace it. And as we're digging around, come across this pipe, this other pipe that's in the ground. And I'm trying to figure out what in the world to see this end of a pipe. So we dig and dig and dig and dig. And, and I don't know how long was that piece? Three or four feet long, something like that. We get it out of the ground and it was just laying there next to the broken pipe. And it just happened to be the same size that we could use to fix the broken pipe. And I thought, wow, God loves me. <laughs> Ten years ago, the house was built in 2001. Ten years prior, when they decided, ah, let's just throw that extra pipe in there, God made them do that because he knew Eric Holler would be there ten years later and would need to fix that pipe. You might think that's crazy, but I think it's God. Amen. Amen. There's another thing that happened today. Well, my... Back in um, October or November, somewhere around there, Heather and I were invited to a gala. Actually, it was a Gatsby-themed gala in uh, Frisco, and it was to uh, support, you remember when we would do the, um, the event every year for Hope's Door, uh, the fashion show and all that stuff? The girls did, they did a marvelous job. Well, this was a, a, a gala uh, raising money for Hope's Door again, which is the, the battered shelter. Um, women and children shelter. So uh, we went because my brother-in-law, Philip, had got a table there and sponsored and had us as some of the guests there to come. And lo and behold, um, Glenn Beck was the keynote speaker that night. And so um, because of the type of sponsor Philip was, we all got to have a private meeting before the actual gala to meet Glenn. Y'all know who Glenn Beck is, right? All right. Anyway, um, Great conservative speaker and, and has his own TV uh, show, uh, TV station now called The Blaze. And just, just great guy, doing great, great service for our country and fighting the fight. And so got to meet him. And somewhere along the way, because my father-in-law was there, who's an avid gun owner and all that, we got to talking about, oh, oh I, I remember why, because my father-in-law is the East Texas Regional Director for Texas State Rifle Association. And so he wanted to get an audience with him to see if possibly he would come and speak at the event, uh, one of the Texas State Rifle Association events. And, there got, and Glenn Beck said, oh, he said, boy, have I got a story for you. He said, do you remember how many years ago, 15 years ago plus, when Charlton Heston was the president of the NRA? Any NRA members here? All right. Now, come on, let's see your hands here. Okay. <laughs> There's four of us. Hallelujah. And they're all about that Second Amendment, the, the right to bear arms. Amen. That's what makes this country great. And when he gave his speech, he gave quite a, quite a speech, he held up this rifle and he said five famous words, from my cold, dead hands. That's when you can have my gun. <laughs> All right? I mean, it was like the rally cry of NRA and everybody just went nuts over that, right? So Glenn says, I have that gun. He said it was donated to me. We were like, wow, really? How cool is that? Fast forward to today. I had the privilege of going and touring Glenn Beck's studio because um, my brother-in-law um, had won a private tour, me and my father-in-law and my brother-in-law and one other guy. And so we got to tour the facilities over in Los Clinton. Beautiful TV studio. It's the largest TV studio in America and all kinds of movies were shot there. J the movie JFK was shot there. Uh, they had the bench that Forrest Gump sat on there. It was a lot, a lot of cool uh, relics and stuff. And, and so we, we were sitting in the TV studio while 
Glenn was doing a show, and we were just sitting back on these couches, just watching the whole thing. Like, this is really cool. And then after he was done, he came over and he introduced himself to us and, and uh, started giving us a tour and giving us some history about the studio and all that and thanked us for being there. And it was just, I'm like, wow, wow this is great. So uh, then he says, well, th- th- you're going to go with this girl and she's going to take you and show you around more of the studio. So then we end up going upstairs, all right? I've got to shorten this story. Uh, because he's also a big-time collector, and so he has all these World War II relics up here. I mean, like uh, uh, bullets and helmets and flags from both countries, from, from the United States and Japan as well, and some guns and stuff, and so we're taking all that in. And as we're looking at all this stuff, and then he showed me a bunch of old Bibles that they had and a, 19, a 17th century Fox's Book of Martyrs book. It was just it was awesome. I mean, just awesome taking it all in. And then I remembered that he had that rifle. I said, um... That rifle that Glenn has that Charlton Heston held up in there, would that happen to be here on the property? He said, matter of fact, it is. It's downstairs. You guys want to see it? And, of course, my father-in-law thought his eyes were going to pop out of his head. And he said, yes, we want to see it. So he takes us downstairs, right, and he pulls out this gun case. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to be honest with you. I got goosebumps, all right? I just, I just did. And he pulls this beautiful rifle out. And I put it in my father-in-law's hands, and I said, all right, I got to get a picture, Pop. So he holds that rifle up, just like Charlton Heston. We took some pictures, and I got some pictures of me holding it. And it was, it was a really, really, really cool moment. And that guy looks at me after it was over, and he says, funny, you should ask today, because today is the only day this rifle would ever be here. He said, I, I had to take it uh, somewhere for, Glenn was letting somebody use it for display or something. He said, and I had, I'm actually on his way to his house. He said, but I had to stop by here for a little while today to do some work. And you just happened to ask me today. It was here. And again, I'm thinking, wow, what a cool setup that was. And the Lord is so interested in what you're interested in. That's what I've found out to be true. He loves us way more than we know and loves to show himself strong on our behalf and show us that he truly cares. And he's watching the thoughts and intents of your heart and he thinks good thoughts of you. Can you receive that today? Your heavenly father thinks good thoughts of you. Good thoughts. David said, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. There's no way I can number them. God even says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. Is this encouraging you tonight? So I I, I want you to understand tonight, and this... Just so you, you understand how your Father sees you today. He's not judging you according to the thoughts of your mind, but the thoughts and intents of your heart. Glory to God. Wow. Discerning that. Okay. Because there are times when you really don't know what to think about a, a thing. So he looks at your heart and helps you. That's what the scripture says. We didn't even know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Doesn't he? And because of that, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Amen.
So I don't know what biblical myth understanding that might be, but let's go to another place. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 26. I won't keep you too much longer. Matthew chapter 26, unless you just want to. We can stay as long as you want. Because if, I mean, I can preach all night. You want to try it tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Matthew chapter 20, did I say 26? I was just kidding. John chapter 12. <laughs> You've heard me talk about this before, but I want to just reiterate it again to you. And maybe I'd like to maybe encourage you to write these scripture references down. This, what I'm, the reason we're talking about these biblical myth understandings is to help you because these things come up in conversation, all right? And to get, arm you with some good word and good understanding to help people. This is what this whole thing is about, all right? So that we can help not only each other, but others as well to have true understanding of the scriptures. What does the Bible really say? And Jesus, one of the, one of the, the biggest mistakes that's found, that I've found through the years, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And John 12, 27, Jesus says, Now my soul, this is long before he gets to the garden. I mean, not long, long before, but he's on his way there. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Okay? So Jesus is saying, that I, in other words, I shouldn't pray, rescue me from this. This is why I'm here. Jesus knew exactly why he came to the earth. He knew what his mission was. Think about it. I mean, he's in a human body, right? Yeah, it's pretty clear why I'm here. I became a man. That only means one thing. I have to die. Right? He knew why he was here. Never wavered from that. And so he asked the question, should I pray, Father, save me? But it's for this hour I came. Right? In other words, he said, I shouldn't pray that. Now, go to Matthew chapter 26. And this is um, now later, after Jesus has uttered these words, and we're going to look at verse 36, Matthew 26, 36. Thank you, Alex. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, or, or it means the press or the olive press, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Then he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Watch this. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. All right? In other words, Jesus is telling them, I am dying. Now, this was going right over these guys' heads. That didn't make any sense. Really? Because I heard you say you were the resurrection and the life. You said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How can you say, I'm dying? My soul is exceedingly sorrowful to death. So Jesus is experiencing something that not even his father could prepare him for. Because his father is life. How does life try to explain death? How can you describe it? How can you prepare for something when you don't even know what that is? So now Jesus comes here and his soul becomes exceedingly sorrowful because 
the transfer of the world's sins are being laid over on this lamb at this moment, and his body is literally falling apart under the pressure of it. And he begins to sense separation from God. Can you imagine the agony and the horror that he must be going through to have this perfect communion with the Father, and now all of a sudden he feels that relationship slipping away. Stay here and watch with me. What did he say he's not supposed to pray? Father, save me from this hour. Watch. Verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I thought he said he came to this hour. Why would he pray to be saved? He said that's not what he should be praying, but now it looks like he's praying that. And this is where some misunderstanding and myth understandings take place, all right? And I don't know how many times I've heard this very thing. This is where Jesus is identifying with humanity. And he's having to surrender his will to the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, he surrendered his will to the Father when he became a baby. The struggle, if there was any struggle, it was over. All right? He said, everything the Father says, I do. Whatever he says, I say. And whatever he says to do, that's exactly what I do. I believe that his will is fully submitted. All right? So there's no wrestling now. His will all of a sudden is not God's will. That's a bunch of hogwash. What is happening here? Well, we just, we just talked about it beforehand. What's happening to Jesus? He is dying. Matter of fact, Luke the physician describes it that when he prayed, it, his sweat became great drops of blood. He was under such duress that his body began to break under the pressure and his capillaries began to burst. And you are minutes, if not a few hours, away from death at that moment. He knew it. Jesus wasn't mincing words like we do. Oh, I'm dying. We can talk like that. He meant what he said. I'm dying. So then he says, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Father, don't let me die here. Could it be possible that he really wasn't wrestling with going to the cross? Maybe he was trying to actually make it to the cross. Don't let it happen here. I'm dying. Let me, don't, let this cup pass from me. Because I have not finished my work. He knew. He even said it, predicted it several times that he'd be handed over to the Gentiles and they would crucify him and that he would be buried and that he would rise again from the dead. I mean, he was very clear about where he was going and he knew this garden wasn't the cross. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you, in other words, if this is where you want me to, to die right here, I'll do it. But he had it in his heart to finish his mission. And then over in Luke also it says that an angel came and strengthened him. Wow. So the father helped him. Angel came, strengthened Jesus, and he was able to survive that event. And the next thing, he's betrayed by Judas and arrested. And then we come to John chapter 18, verse 37. Let's look that up right quick. John chapter 18, verse 37. You guys all right? Yeah. Okay.
This is, this is the verse uh, that supports the name of our church. Just in case you're wondering where we got the name One Cause, from right here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Did you see that? For this, this is after the garden. This is after the beating, the whipping. He says, for this cause I was born. He knew, he knew from day one till the very end right here. And for this cause I've come to this world. I'm here for this moment right here, right now. That's why I'm saying he never wrestled with the will of God. He was fully submitted to his father. He was only dealing with the fact that death had come upon him. And he did not know how to respond to that. Is this it? Is this, if this is it, then I'll, I'll die here. If this is what your will is, but let this cup pass from me. Does this help you have a little better understanding? Yeah. All right. I mean, it, it flips the whole story around. To see that Jesus is our hero from start to finish. Yeah. Amen. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. That's good news. That is really good news. Hallelujah. I don't have time to get into Jacob. We will save that for next Wednesday. Because that's going to be it. We're going to walk through several scriptures. Just to, just to help you a little bit, I just want to maybe just give a little preview of next week. Jacob was not a deceiver. He was not a deceiver. All right? That's a message people that don't like Jews preach. We'll just get right to the heart of the matter. All right? He was not a deceiver. God doesn't bless deceivers. Matter of fact, it says he hated Esau. Mm, Jacob have I loved. Esau have I despised. And yet people make Jacob out to be the bad guy. It's ridiculous. And we're going to walk through lots of scripture and prove that to you next Wednesday night. All right? I love you guys. Let's stand together. Isn't God good? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.